Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur. It's Matt Browning. I'm here with you with another Driven Entrepreneur each and every week because that's who you are. That's who you like hearing from. And today, it's no exception. If you are out there leading the charge in business, you want to hear inspiring stories, but we also want to get to the meat of how to make your walk a little bit better and a little bit easier. So things like productivity, things like motivation, time management, I love getting into that because that's part of what makes being a business owner actually fun and a good experience so it doesn't take over your life and destroy your morale. With me today is Stacy Tushel. She is an amazing, amazing entrepreneur, the author of the book, The Implementation Code. Um, Stacy has done lots in her life, you know, being a business owner since the age of 18 in her parents' backyard, turning that into a multi-million dollar company. She's also the author and the founder of The Foot Traffic Formula, helping small businesses around the world to get more customers in the door. And her Foot Traffic podcast now has over 1 million downloads, frequently one of the top 30 podcasts on Apple. Um, amazing, amazing show. So make sure you check out the Foot Traffic podcast. Stacy, welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur. What's going on? Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. Hi. It's, I, I love our, this is our standard uh, welcome to the show and our standard thanks for having me. But I do appreciate that. I'm excited to get into a conversation with you. You, first off, everyone's not going to be able to see your face necessarily unless you're on YouTube, of course. Um, but you're just like a bushel of energy. Stacey Tushel is a bushel of energy. I love it. I appreciate it. that. I love talking business. So this lights me up and I rather be here than anywhere else talking business. So I'm super excited to just be helpful and serve in any capacity. Like I say, I'm always an open book. I don't promise to know everything, but I definitely promise to share what's working, what's not, and what I've experienced in business the last 19 years. Well, speaking of the last 19 years, you know, so you said you started your business at the age of 18. Was this a, a family business that you started or was this just you living with your mom and dad? This was me living with my mom and dad. Um, I was a dancer in high school. I decided right out of high school that I was going to start teaching it for fun. It wasn't going to be a business. I was going to the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee to actually just get a business degree to go work in somebody else's business. And that first summer I had 17 kids come to my parents' backyard where I taught dance uh, in the winter because I live in Wisconsin, so you can't stay in the backyard. Uh, a church donated their space to us for free because I thought it was cool what I was doing for the kids in our community. And within three years, I had 100 kids coming to my parents' backyard. And thankfully, I actually did grow up in a family business. We are excavators. We dig basements for houses here in Wisconsin. Um, it's over 50 years old. My grandfather started it. My parents worked in the business. My grandparents worked in the business. So I had, without really realizing, I had like the right DNA to say, okay, I think I could actually do this. And they were the ones that said, I kind of feel like you have a hundred people. And 
you're not even spending money on marketing. Like this could be the thing you do instead of going and finding a job. Right. Imagine so, you, if you actually spend time on marketing, what you could do with it. What that. could I do? Yeah. And um, fast forward 19 years later, what I could do was get a thousand kids, um, not in a backyard anymore. We have two custom built facilities for dance and music here in Milwaukee. Uh, we have about 50 plus employees. I do not work in the business at all whatsoever. I haven't taught a dance class in probably 15 years. And um, it is grossing over a million dollars a year selling dance and music classes to like a five mile radius in our facility. So oh my gosh, so, and you're, so you're totally local with it. Yep. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So I, I want to start just back in that childhood side. So your parents were fully uh, supportive of this entrepreneurial move. That's amazing. Yeah, and you have the right. family history. Um, when you were a little girl, did you dream of like doing your own thing or being a dancer? Or did, nope. did you think you did you have a different dream? What were you thinking you were going to do when you grew up? Yeah. So the crazy part about the story is if um, anybody listening knows anything about dance, you, you these dancers start at like three. And then they go on to do all of this after they've been doing it for 15 years. Right. My first dance experience was uh, making the dance team in high school. And my first studio in a building was when I was 15 years old. So three years later, I was like, oh, I can totally do this myself. Like, no worry, <laughs> no problem. And it wasn't because I was so amazing at dance. It was because I knew how to do business, but I didn't know that's what it was. So I never thought, oh, I'm going to be a dancer. Um, but I, I was looking back as a child, always in charge, being the captain, running the show, taking like taking charge. And that's what I remember now looking back and going like, okay, this makes sense. But I just, I didn't know dance was my passion at the time. Yeah. So you just saw like, I, I love you said, just taking charge, you know, I'm yeah. thinking like being a leader, yeah. you're like, I'm owning it. I'm taking charge, telling people what to do. But there yeah. is something about like when you walk into a room or a situation or a group and tell me if you relate to this, but it's like you, yeah. you see the invisible, the chaos and you see the invisible structure that it can become and you see yeah the talent of people and kind of puzzle pieces. And so you can just see that naturally mm -hmm. and, and right away in dance, you go, okay, I want to do that in dance as well. Yeah. How long, well, first off doing a million dollars a year and having two yeah. studios and all that stuff. What's the time period between the startup when you feel like you really started it versus you feel like, I don't know, maybe I've quote unquote made it or yeah. it's at least successful. What's For that sure. time period look like? I actually, so, and I, I now today also have an online consulting business. So now I have two businesses that I've, I've started up hmm. and there's something both times magical about year five, which no one wants to hear if they're like in year one. Cause you're like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> that's there so was far something, away. It does feel so far away, but I'm telling you like, and, and maybe it's because they say like, you know, X amount of people quit the first year and then X amount don't make it to five years. But at that five year mark, there's something about it where you you get your you know your voice you know your message you know who you're going to serve you kind of like find your sweet spot there's now, some experimentation that happens of like some sure. successes some failures right absolutely it's not that you can't make money year one to year four it's just there was something of like whoa we have something here mm -hmm. this is going to be amazing right so um there, there trust me there are definitely moments you can celebrate year one through year four but there was definitely something year five in both businesses where i was i was like i didn't even know i was creating this and now i can see everything in front of me and then so from that point you're like okay do you have the entrepreneur disease where once you you love starting but the following and the finishing is the harder thing for you? Or do you love following and finishing? 
I don't know that I love it, but I know you have to be good at it. So I think I just do it. Okay. Does that make so sense? Yeah, you've almost like made the habit of it, but it's like going I mean, to the gym, you know. Yeah, if you can't be a good finisher, I mean, good luck. I, I just don't know how that's going to be successful. So it's like, do I want to finish the book that I started? Do I want to finish the funnel I created? No, that's not the exciting part. But if I don't finish it, I'm not going to reap the rewards of what it the outcome is. It's good. Look at that. You're already preaching right now. I like it. <laughs> if you don't, if you when you finish, that's where the rewards are, right? They don't put yeah. they don't put the uh, the beer and fish and chips at the middle of the race. They put it at the end, right? Or whatever it is you're wanting to to fuel yourself with after a race. Anyways, <laughs> so do you find yourself having? I know you have probably lots and lots of ideas. Um, so I'm always fascinated by the entrepreneur who is a total visionary, has a ton of ideas, but at the same time has been consistently building one idea yeah. time after time, year after year, bigger and bigger, you know, for me, right? I, I imagine if I had a business that needed a studio, by the time I have one, I would feel like, oh, I have this idea, that idea. I wouldn't be able to hone it in and go, let me get a second location. Yeah. What keeps you on track with expanding the one idea while you, I know you've also mm. gone on, on to other pieces. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So I actually don't think I'm good at this part. I do think I want to like, oh, let's try this and let's add this. And, and I am the, I am the visionary for sure. I catch myself doing it and I slow myself back down. Yeah. Now a second location that was 10 years in that we added the second. So to be solid with one location for 10 years is still a pretty long time. Well, I think and, that's my point too. And after yes. 10 years to not be bored, because now you've moved into podcasting, you've moved into funnels, you, you all yes. these different things, consulting. Yes. It's easy to be like, well, my deepest passion isn't running the studio, although I love right. it, right? But it's 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 going to sound wrong, but it's yes. it's boring because it's what I, it's what I did. It's not what yeah. I want to do next but you it's still keep it going. It gets, yeah, it's not that it gets boring. It's that there's no more, and, and maybe this is boring, but there's no more growth left, like the extreme yes. growth. At some point you start to, not plateau, but you start to, like the, the, the growth isn't there. Like we jumped, I remember for like 100 to 300 kids. And then it was like 300 to 500. And then it was like, at some point we, like we've been consistently at around that thousand mark for a while. And at some point it starts to like the fun and the exciting part, the visionary part is just not as exciting as it was. So that's yes, what I'm looking for. Yeah. The boring. But if you leave it without putting maintenance into place, there we go. You will lose everything. So you Say can't it. leave it without setting up the systems setting up the team, right? So when I say I have two businesses and people are like, oh, cool, I want to do two as well. And I'm like, well, how many's in your first, how many people are in your first business? And you tell me it's you. And I say, I have 50, we're playing a different ball game. Right. So I don't want people going, I don't want people thinking I'm giving you permission to have a second business when the first one is not self-run. That's right. I love that. And when you said, I don't work in the business at all, it doesn't mean you probably never step foot in the studios. You can yeah. go visit, you can say hi, you could have a leader meeting, you can do a retreat, you can pat a student on the back, you know, whatever right. you're doing. Um, yeah. But you don't have to run the accounting. You don't have to, nope. if you leave and do podcasting or go on a trip to Europe, sales don't stop. Maintenance Correct. doesn't stop. Customer Correct. service doesn't stop. Yeah. I love your distinction too, Stacey, between it's the growth versus the maintenance phase, isn't it? Yeah. And so that's what I tried to mean by boring. It's like, what, what, what right. am I trying to describe? I get yeah. bored, but what it is, is I love the growth. I hate mm -hmm. the maintenance and I've learned to love the maintenance, but it's not what, what fuels me for sure. Right. 
is do you have any tricks or hacks or concepts? How have you gotten yourself to follow through when you know that's not what lights you up? Yeah. yeah. Right? I think you put somebody in the role that maintenance is their job and they fully understand that's what they're here to do. So when we hire somebody, the more clear I can be with, this is what I need from you. This is the personality I need. This is like what your day-to-day is going to look like. And I find out that you're a big visionary. You cannot be my maintenance, well-oiled machine person in HR, which just isn't going to work, right? So when I find out I have a visionary, I'm thinking, great, where can they fit in marketing? Where can they be in the strategy? Where can they be in our launches? Not where can they be in the tedious every day, rinse and repeat. They'll never survive because they'll hate it, right? So I think it's it's really assessing that somebody likes the tedious rinse and repeat every day that feels comfortable for them, right? And They're it's the- hard to imagine that, isn't it? Because it is. as an entrepreneur, it's like everybody must be like me. And everybody must get yeah. bored if it's the same thing every day. But we forget there's different personalities in the world. Do you follow a like personality or communication profiling system like for yourself or for in your company? Yeah. yeah. So we do use Myers-Briggs and we also yeah. use DISC as like a second to just mm-hmm. we're really just understanding who this person is. We're not hiring and firing based off of it. You can't discriminate based off a of personality. Sure. But we're really trying to figure out like, does this person naturally enjoy this job or are they just good at writing the blog posts? Like, is this something they're going to thrive and want to stay in long-term because maybe they don't even realize like some of these people have never taken a personality test or been explained about what their personality is. So when I give somebody their first test ever and I explain who they are and what they like, and they're like, wow, like that is what I like to do. Right. All of a sudden we can say you would thrive in a role like this. Would you be interested in experimenting? with a sample project where you get to stay in your sweet spot. And we're uncovering people's like zone of genius that they didn't even know was a thing. It's amazing. So so what I'm hearing is you would almost, would you have someone come in for an interview for position A and then go, you know, position D might actually be a fit. You wanna try it out. 100%. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. I mean. It, Imagine a world, right, where like every company actually thought this way and thought, let's get you in your zone of genius. Let's let's find a space because there probably is a space where you have passion, you have mm-hmm. talent, you have ability, and it, the rhythms fit your personality and your lifestyle. I think it's amazing. Yeah, we we have a girl. We actually just made her a, a temporary offer yesterday. We like her. We like everything about her. We don't have a role for her. Yeah. So we were sitting here going, well, what's something we could just give her temporarily as a contractor? Because we don't want to lose her because she's the right person. Yes. I don't know for what, but we're going to experiment to figure out what she is good at. And then from there, we'll make her a job offer when we figure out what it is. We'll find a seat on the bus for her or we'll make one if we have to. Correct. Oh, that's so good. I love that. Um, it sounds a lot like uh, like the casting agent world too, you know, where sometimes, you know, actors think they're going in for to yes. pitch for a role, but it's like, no, they're going in to pitch themselves and to own what they were given. And very often the directors will say, gosh, that's not exactly what we're looking for here. You have the wrong color hair or whatever, but we love you. And and then all of a sudden it's like, how about this other project? That's really yeah. good. So knowing what you have. Hey, do you have any, um, well, I guess that's actually, that's, that's pretty good hiring advice. Do you have any other hiring advice that comes to mind that you just talk about often? I'm sure you probably do. Yes, um, I have hired, I can't even tell you. I mean, if I have 50 employees in the one business and I have, we have 15 in foot traffic. 
but I've been doing this 19 years, like, and I was horrible in the beginning. So we had to fire right. all these people like crazy, right? Because you're like, oh, shoot, I don't know what I'm doing. So I think the, the best hiring advice I can say is first, people are usually afraid to hire. Yep. And they have really bad misconceptions about what hiring is. It, they're headaches. People can't do this as well as me. I might as well just do it myself. Now I'm, now I'm on the hook for their payroll. What if I can't afford them 90 days from now? And usually all of those misconceptions or your bad experiences you've had is because your lack of hiring and interviewing skills, as well as your onboarding and training. So if you are always attracting not great people on your team and you are firing and you are, it is 100% on you. Like you just don't know how to hire yet. And here's the thing. I can say it because I, I remember like my first few interviews of being so sick to my stomach of, I was more nervous than they, they probably were interviewing to work for me. Cause you're like, what do I ask? What do I say? Well, like, what are they going to say? What if I don't know what to say next? And there's like dead space, you know? So you just have to get good by practicing. But I also think we have to step into understanding we're probably not natural born leaders and managers. So how do we start to read leadership books? How do we start to understand there's room for improvement with us so we can start to enhance the way that we teach and we train and we onboard. So I would say, first of all, let yourself go the route of wanting to have a build your own dream team, but know that it is going to take you a little while to figure this out and you will make bad decisions. And then unfortunately you'll let that skew yourself forever. And you'll tell me 10 years later, you're still a solopreneur because of this one bad experience of a D player that you brought in your team. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, I'm, uh, I'm already now kind of reimagining some of the hires over the years as well. And I'm sure you've, you've gone back and thought about those and, um, but it's cool as you get a system down, as you start to, to get better and better at that process, then I'm guessing you get to this point where it's like, now it's exciting. It's like, Hey, how could I add 10 more jobs this year? How could I, you know, how could we expand and, and just like, yeah, plug person in there, plug the right person in there. I think that's awesome. Um, can we talk a little bit about balance? You talked about productivity. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hit so much on the productivity in the business as much as okay. being productive in business so that you have whatever you might call the balance in life. You have uh, the ability, right? I think people, me, find myself sometimes too deep in business and then burned out over here. And then I take my own little mental vacation for a week and I don't do the work I'm supposed to do. And I've had times and seasons in life when I feel a really good flow. And there's times when I feel out of balance with health or with family or with work. Um, You seem like a person who is pretty well emotionally balanced. Take care of yourself physically. You're running your businesses. What is the secret? to life and work balance. So first, I think you (laughs) kind of have to like make a lot of mistakes here to figure out what you don't want so you can create what you do want, right? I don't think we even really understand. Like some people say to me, no, I really want to be able to retire out of my business and not work like at all. And I I look at this person, I'm like, you would never do that. Like you love working. You are so driven. You would never sit at home during the middle of the day and do nothing, right? So I think we have to understand like what, does feel good to us? How many hours do you want to work? What is a good time in your work week to not burn yourself out? What are the signs that you are getting burnt out and what can you do in the future to not have that happen? So first, I think most people overwork and they don't know how to shut off. So I think the best thing you can do is setting boundaries of when you will be working 
and when you will be shutting off and sticking to them. It's good. So I wrap up every day around three or four, depending on the day, and my laptop closes, it stays in my office, and I go into my living room, I will go on to my day, and I do not come back in until the next morning. I never, ever open my computer in the evening, ever. Never, ever, ever. I love never, the, ever, I, ever. I love the uh, absoluteness <laughs> of that. Yes. So, Even if you forgot that one last thing? Nope. Even if you got that one email that you had to go out? Nope. I, I well, first of all, that. the reason awesome. why that that is not a thing is because it would be on somebody else's plate. That's right. Right. So I am not anymore doing some of the tedious things that I would have to be like, oh, shoot, I forgot. I wouldn't, I don't send out emails. So I don't even, that wouldn't be on my plate. Do you know what I'm saying? I love that. Now, did I used to be bad? 100%. That's why I know you can't do that. I can't do that. I physically, mentally, emotionally cannot work all evening, put the kids to sleep, go back to work. I can't. My brain doesn't shut off. I get horrible sleep. I wake up feeling exhausted, right? So for me, I started to realize I need the time to just recharge. And I also want to be with my children and my spouse when I close up shop at three or four. So for me, my boundaries are nothing in the evenings and nothing Saturday, Sunday. Like that's what I stick to. So again, what does that feel like for you? How many hours do you want to work? I'm working like nine to three because that's when my kids are in school. Got it. You may not have kids. You might say, I want to work nine to six and that feels good to me. Great. You might pick seven at, in the morning till 10. You might go on a two hour lunch break with a really nice walk and come. It just has to feel good for you. So I think really being self-aware has been major for me. And that's why I feel balanced. But I don't tell you like, hey, Matt, you definitely have to follow my schedule, right? Because sure. that might not be the way you recharge. And I'm introverted, so I love being in my office by myself with just just me and my computer. Put me on a, a full day of meetings with the team, and I am drained at the end of that day. Right. And you and let's be clear, as an introvert yeah. using Myers Briggs, you yeah. love it. You're excited. You love the people, right? But mm -hmm. it takes energy expression, and by the end, you just need to plug back in and recharge. Yeah. I think there's there's a, definitely a lot of people on the introverted side in entrepreneurship yeah. that have a lot. There's like self judgment, right? There's that self talk of I should be this or but I love people, but I don't want to be around people. What's wrong with me? <laughs> and, and I love hearing yeah. from someone as successful as yourself, Stacey, that it's like, yeah, I could spend all day with my team that I hired and I love. And yeah. at the end of the day, I'm done. Yes. Right. And I, I think the, the misconception is like, people will say, really, you're introverted. You sound so outgoing. Sure. Outgoing is not have anything to do with being introverted. So I can come on here and sound confident and look extroverted. But the second I'm done, I it's like computer closed. I'm like checking out a little bit, right? Yeah. So I, it really is just the way you recharge. Some people love, like the pandemic hurt them so bad because they don't get to be with their friends at work. And they are like, I just want to get back in the office with everybody working there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Welcome to me. Yeah. My life. Yeah, so <laughs> I want to get back on the road. I want to travel. I want to speak. 100%. So it just depends on, on who you are and what feels good to you. Yeah. I love to, um, you're, talk, you're talking about picking your schedule, but the, the principle behind it is having a schedule that's preset and then yeah. you can flex and, and play with things in there. Um, one of the things I hear a lot from, and again, I'm talking kind of solopreneurs or early yeah. on stages as well. You know, it's like, well, I can't just set my schedule because I never know. Well, you're choosing that, right? It's like, yeah. 
even if you don't know exactly what's going to go in that day, you can still set up, I'm going to work from 10 to 4 on Tuesday, Correct. and that's my day for coaching calls, or that's my day for team meetings, or whatever it is. Um, yeah. I'm a big fan, Stacy, of blocking time for different categories and styles. Um, so it's not so much that as soon as it's 3 p.m., I'll never do anything, yeah. right? I have my own version of that. But what I yeah. do do is like Wednesday is my recording day. I go on shows. I record shows. That's my day for that. Mm -hmm. I don't do sales that day. I don't do team meetings that day. I don't take the day off. That's what Wednesday is. Mm -hmm. Then yeah, Monday absolutely. is a family day. And I don't and I don't care if ands or buts. I'm with my son. I'm with my wife. Or actually, it's her day. But right. I'll take him and go do something with it. But mm -hmm. that's become really important. So it's blocking time is really key. I love that. Um, yeah. When it comes to being efficient with time, yes. there's another piece that gets missed. It's like, like if time was food, it's having high calorie dense food, um, being efficient with time so that you don't find yourself at midnight going, oh, I got the one more email. What, what's your method of approaching the time that you do work to make sure that you, it doesn't drag on and it takes four hours to do what could have been 15 minutes? Yeah. Well, I think one of the reasons that people have to come back to work or they can't shut off or they're checking their email on their phone is, is because your to-do list never ends, but you're trying to end it. You're trying to check the last box, right? So I have realized 19 years in that that does not exist. You will never be have a done complete checklist. It will not happen. So because I've realized that, then there will always be one more email to send. There will always, always be one more thing that I forgot to do, but it can wait, right? So, so I love, um, I hired somebody in my studios and I said to her one time, please don't call me unless it's an emergency. And she said, she came from a dental practice and she said, I'm not being disrespectful, but what in the world would ever be in an emergency in a dance studio? <laughs> right? Because yeah. she's thinking like, there really are dental emergencies where sure. like somebody needs something. She's like, what would that be? Because I just can't even imagine that. And that moment of, you're right. Like there really aren't, I can think of one situation we had where there's like a tornado and they didn't know what to do. Okay, great. You can I call feel like me. that's an actual emergency and that actual, but if a mom calls and complains, it can wait until tomorrow. If I'm back in tomorrow at nine. Right. Yeah. So I think and there's there was a good that chance to your point earlier, sorry, that with the right training and onboarding, even complaints and refunds and customer service issues, they can all be categorized and taught, can't they? 100%. So yeah, no one calls me ever for my studio to have a complaint like that. But it was just this like reminder of, we think it's urgent. We think that email has to be sent out now or shoot, I was gonna do this tonight. And a lot of this stuff isn't urgent. What we have to start to get good at is prioritizing. So go. the list is never gonna end. And if you are not working in a way of these are the biggest things that must be done. The problem that I see is we think everything is a priority and we want to get all the things done. And then we put that on our team's shoulders. So if you have like a VA that you're working with, they probably have like 72 different things you told them to do yeah. and they don't know which one you want done first. So now they're guessing, but they can't read your mind. So they're getting some things done that just look easy and they can quickly cross off their plate, but it's not the number one thing you wanted to happen today. So in my business, when I'm working with anybody, they have their daily routines of like, this is what you do every Monday, but on top of their routines, they have projects and their projects are literally labeled high medium, low. 
You cannot work on anything low until all the mediums are done. You cannot work on a medium until all the highs are done. So, so good. when I, I do this for myself, I prioritize my projects, but I also do it for my team because what happens is you'll get somebody that's, you'll do this, you'll, you'll personally do this. You think, well, I've got seven things to do. And, and like four and five are super easy and I could get them done in like two minutes. So I'm going to do those, right? right. Or you're like, oh, I really want to work on this one thing. So I'm going to work on that, even though it's not due for four months. Right. Right. It's like the easy wins. It's the more pleasurable one. Yep. Yep. So as somebody in the coaching space, I create a lot of content as I am sure you do too. So sometimes certain content or courses or freebies or something, something is more exciting. Mine is always prioritized in the date it's due. And I do not get to go out of order. So then you get to procrastinate with the things that you can procrastinate on and then everything else must be done by deadline. (laughs) That's awesome. And I love, and I can see in your eyes too, that you mean it, that you live by it. There, 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 there's advice that comes of this is what you should do. And also what I should do. And then there's the advice of this is what I do because it works and I don't Mm -hmm. vary from my own rules. So I appreciate that about you. I I can show you pages and pages of like check boxes of things I have to get done. They're there. They will never go away. I am not telling you I'm the girl to teach you how to get it all done. I'm the girl to actually share with you what actually should be done and in what order. And let's just get as much of it done as we need to that will actually move the needle in your business. Yeah, moving the needle. You're actually focusing on the results, not the feeling that you get when tasks are finished. Because if we're going after a feeling, there's a lot easier, faster ways to get a good feeling. Have a bar of ice cream, have a drink, do something. Um, But if you're going after a result, not a feeling, then you got to get the priorities done. I love that. Hey, Foot Traffic uh, Podcast, I get it now. I love the name. (laughs) I think it's super clever. Tell us a little bit about the the origin story for the podcast. Uh, How, when did you start that? How long into the dancing were you doing it? And tell me about this kind of the journey of from just just running dancing studios to yeah. doing coaching. I see it looks like a ClickFunnels record, an award on your yeah. back wall. Um, you're doing all that coaching, podcasting world. Yeah. Tell me about the transition there. Yeah, so I, again, naturally I am, I like to lead. I like to help, I like to serve. So I remember the first time somebody called me up, they owned a local karate studio and they were like, hey, you kind of seem like, you know what you're doing. Your parking lot's always full. My, my, my niece goes there and like they rave about you. Would this be a conflict of interest or could I like sit down and pick your brain and just ask you some questions? And I was like, oh, um, yeah, I mean, sure. Dance so this studio, guy, studio, yeah, I'm like children's industry. I'm like, yeah, like, okay. Made sense. So I was like, sure, come on over. So he came to my building, taught him for a little bit. He was like blown away. I'm like, oh, okay older than me in business longer than me. So I'm like, wow, like I really know what I'm doing. Like, okay, this is good. So then a dance mom opened up a chocolate shop and she wanted advice. And I'm like, I don't know anything about chocolate besides just liking chocolate. Like there, I don't know what I'm teaching this person, but she's like, no, can I, can I just come in and pick your brain? Like, sure. So I do that, build a little bit more confidence. All of a sudden my friend who's a doctor wants to open a Medi spot. I'm like, how am I teaching a doctor? Like now this is getting weird for me. This is getting crazy. However, every time I would do something, I would see in their eyes, like they didn't know that stuff and I am teaching them and they're getting it and it's clicking. So about six years ago, I decided, okay, I'm going to actually do this and consult and help other small business owners build what I've kind of built in my business, focusing on marketing, building a team, scaling all of that foot traffic. Um, the podcast is now over five years old. So we've had it for a while. Um, 
And it just kind of has organically grown and I found my voice and I found what, you know, what I love to talk about and what I keep coming back to. And it's just been a really fun journey. It's been, I, this is the most I've ever felt in alignment with what I'm doing. I love business, but I love teaching business to other people that they are struggling. They are maybe not making the money they want. They're overworked. They're underpaid. Like I've done all those things. I've been all those things. And it's like, I don't, I want to help people not feel like that. That's outstanding. And and I love, so you're talking not just, of course, the studios, but do you focus on like retail owners or owners that have like physical people coming into yeah. a front? Is that the, the process or is it really expanded and grown into? Yeah. So more? I already attracted people that were online because I have an online business and they're watching me do it. Right. Then my brick and mortars are going, how do I do what you're doing with your online business and keep my brick and mortar? Yeah. Okay. Then you have the pandemic where they're like, I don't even want this brick and mortar anymore. Like (laughs) teach me how to just do the online business. So half of my audience is online and half are brick and mortar. And of the half that are brick and mortar, half of them also have an online business. Right. So So you're 75% online anyway, because that's what people are wanting. Yeah. And you do it both. That's outstanding. It doesn't even matter. Foundational business principles work in any industry. Doesn't matter what we're teaching. It all is the same thing. Well, that's what I was going to say is um, I was just doing an interview uh, an hour ago and saying the exact same thing that, you know, I went from a, a mortgage business and a real estate business that I own to doing a coaching business and creating a speaker training business. And 95 percent is the same thing, right? Yeah. It's it's payroll 100%. and it's HR and it's marketing and it's sales and all that. And but sometimes people will feel like oh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not passionate about this content, whatever it is anymore. And they think yeah. that if we start a new business with different content, then they're gonna be passionate about it. And it's like, yes. look, you don't need to be passionate about the content necessarily. You could, right? It's great to yeah. be passionate about dancing and marketing, but you don't have to. Stacey, this has been awesome. Thank you for your yeah. time and, and your candor. This is uh, just an incredible, you're an incredible person to, to know. Thank you thanks. for you. I appreciate it, Matt. And this has been super fun. So thanks for having me. Yeah. Hey, where can we find out? I got you know some of your stuff here. We're going to put yeah. it all over the show notes for the on demand. But for anyone listening in the car right now, on if you're on the AM FM dial, um, what's the best way to get in contact with you? And I yeah. know you have you have some gifts out there as well. Yeah. Yeah. So the Foot Traffic Podcast, um, you can find that anywhere with podcasts. Um, at Stacy Tushel on all the social platforms. Instagram is probably my favorite favorite. Um, the, definitely the one, if you want to reach out to me, I'm in my DMS there, not so much on Facebook. Um, and on Instagram, Instagram, if that's you want to actually get me, you're going to get my team. And the other one that's like, hi, this is Kristen from Stacy's team. Um, whereas Whoa. on Instagram, you're probably going to get me. Wow. Yeah. And then obviously um, TikTok and be big on TikTok. Right? <laughs> um, what's so funny is I don't dance in any of my videos, even though I'm a dancer. However, <laughs> I did just get to work with um, Gary V's team for a day. And they literally said to me, you need to go all in with TikTok. And I'm not kidding. Yeah. Like, Shoot. I, I, so I believe his team would say that. Yeah. So we're like doing all the videos and getting all of that ready right now. Even good for like, you. I can't even believe I'm doing this, but okay. But no dancing, just like good content. Um, <laughs> and then my book, if you want to go grab a copy of my book for free, just pay the shipping. It is implementationcode.co forward slash free book. That is awesome. So implementation code, phenomenal book. You can get that for free. Just cover shipping implementationcode.co slash free book. Head over to Apple Podcasts or Google and in the show notes, you'll see all the links for everything Stacy and following up with her. And of course, slide into those DMs and you might even have a real conversation. That would be amazing. Stacy, thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you. 
All right, guys, that's the show for this week. Hey, thanks uh, to my guest, Stacy Tushel, amazing founder, amazing entrepreneur, online marketer, you name it, she does it. Make sure you check out the Foot Traffic Podcast and follow Stacy on all social media channels and get that free book, The Implementation Code. Cannot wait to get my hands on it as well. Awesome, awesome time. Hey, stay out there, stay driven, do what you do, and I'll see you next week with another driven entrepreneur. Bye-bye.